This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 46 of the Stable Scoop Radio Show on the Horse Radio Network. On location, John Henry Memorial Adoption Fair. Please support our sponsors as they make this show possible. Equestrian Collections brings the whole universe of equestrian shopping to your fingertips. Visit them at equestriancollections.com. And also Easy Signs Online, the number one farm sign company in the United States. Order online at easysignsonline.com. Welcome to the Stable Scoop, with weekly shows delivered right to you. With Helena and Glenn the Geek, live from the Stable, it's every week. They bring you the news through hell, high water, while using their tails as their own fly swatters. Sit on down and laugh till your poop calls. It's time again for Stable School. Stable School. Stable School. Stable School. This is Glenn the Geek. And I'm Samantha Clark. And this is a special episode of the Stable Scoop Radio Show. Well, Samantha, this is sort of our test episode here. We are. Uh, normally the hosts for the 2010 radio show, and I, of course, everybody knows I do host the Stable Scoop show with Helena B. Well, Helena B. actually lives in Boston, uh, Massachusetts, and can't always make it when we do on-site stuff. So Samantha was kind enough. She lives here in Lexington to fill in, and we appreciate that. And seeing as we are at the Kentucky Horse Park, home of the WEG. And home of Samantha. She spends about half her time here. Exactly. It's home from home. We are having a blast here today. We are at the John Henry Memorial Adoption Fair. It's put on by the Kentucky Horse Council, if, I, if I'm correct. Um, and, and there are many, I would say, what, 10 or 12 adoption agencies here from around the state of Kentucky and from, from the state surrounding Kentucky. Yep. And what, what the mission of this is, is to show off some of the horses that they have for adoption. They're riding them in the ring here, and we've seen some cuties, haven't we? We have. I have managed not to adopt any yet. <laughs> Although your wife and I have been admiring quite a few of them. Yeah, yeah. I've had to keep you two away from the adoption <laughs> forms. Uh, and, and the way this fo- uh, works tonight is they, they've had a number of demonstrations, and then they bring... Each of the adoption agencies brings in a number of horses, and they ride them around, and they introduce them, and then the people can go to the agency and get the forms and fill them out and then a- adopt the horses. That's right. You remember the number, 371. <laughs> <laughs> and what was 371? Uh... He was rather a nice thoroughbred. <laughs> and then I think your wife liked a standard bread. Yeah, she Not is a standard bread person. Not remembering any numbers or paying any particular <laughs> attention at all. And they also had a nice silent auction. There were some very nice items there that and, were raising money. And, and Samantha's uh, husband kept her hands behind her back. Exactly. Yeah. Well, we've had a great time here tonight. We've been able to interview a number of people for you that we wanted to bring to you and, and some very interesting people. Uh, we are we have a, a variety here. I would say they're not all. As a matter of fact, we only ended up with one adoption group out of this whole list, which I thought was interesting. But we've got uh, Chris McCarran coming on, who's always a riot. He is, uh, of course, the infamous jockey uh, who does work here at the Kentucky Horse Park. And we've got the people from the Equine Land Conservation Corps and uh, John Nicholson, the big boss here at the Kentucky Horse Park, is on with us and a friend of the Horse Radio Network. And I think that's what's so nice about the Horse Park is that it it's it encompasses everyone. Everyone's so happy to give back to the to the community and, and to horses and everyone's here to to help support it. We've met everyone from from every walk of life connected with the horse industry and and, and everyone's here to support the horses and, and to support this great cause. And Stephanie was a joy. You're gonna enjoy listening to her from Asbury College. I cannot believe that that girl only graduated two years ago. She sounds like she's run, been running the program for 30 years. Yes, yes. So we're, you'll, you'll enjoy her as well. We hope you enjoy this special episode. We're going to start doing more of these as for the different shows that we do on the network, especially the 2010 radio show. Yeah, everyone was very interesting, and we will put links to all their websites on our website, and we do encourage you to check them out because we can't describe enough what, what great things we saw. And that'll be at StableScoop.com. Well, let's get John Nicholson on here first. He is the big boss. He is the direct executive director here at the Kentucky Horse Park, and he is a friend of the show. He's been on the 2010 radio show a couple times and just a super nice guy. 
Well, hi, John, and welcome to the show. It's good to finally get to sit across from you to do a show with you. We've done several together now. Well, Glenn, it's good to be with you, and you're right. It's good to be actually at the same table. Yeah, and we we never we don't do that. Uh, Samantha and I do shows together every week, and this is the first time we've ever recorded together. So <laughs> it's funny how that works. So tell us a little bit about the Adoption Fair and why the Kentucky Horse Park is the venue for that. Well, I'm, I'm very proud of how this uh, John Henry Equine Adoption Fair has, has evolved. The um, I think it sprang from certainly uh, a growing concern about the condition of of horses. Um, you know, the vast majority of our horse owners are responsible and have their head and their hearts in the right place. But sometimes there are those who don't, and then sometimes circumstances, particularly in this economic time, uh, have made it clear that we have some horses in stress. And when we, when John Henry passed away a year ago in October, we we clearly understood that this this horse had a special following, and had served as a symbol for for something for something good. And we said we asked ourselves how could we carry his name forward and carry his legacy forward in the in the decades ahead. And th- and this is really where this idea germinated. And so um, rather than totally recreate the the wheel, we brought in all the rescue groups, or as many as we could, and said, let's join in a collective effort uh, that will not only serve to find homes in a responsible way for horses and match good responsible owners with the right horse, uh, but also draw attention to the need uh, and remind all of us who are in, who are a part of the horse community, that we all bear a responsibility uh, to see that every horse is looked after and cared for properly. Well, you know, and in Kentucky, especially in the last, uh, as you said, with the economic times the way they are in the last year, there have been some problems in the state here with farms, with very large number of horses in, in some cases. Way too many, Glenn. Yep. Way too many. And um, I, I'm always an optimist, and, and I always believe in looking at the bright as bright side of things as we, we can. So the good news is that in the vast majority of cases, the right thing's being done. Uh, but because of the other, we all need to get together and do the right thing. You know, Kentucky Horse Park has, I don't think people realize how many horses that live here full-time. Do you, do you know how many it is now? Oh, I think probably uh, 120 horses are are ours oh, really? here at the park, or have their permanent homes here, and then we, we, uh, you know, have some riding concession horses that are in for most of the year, and then uh, of course, as you know, on any given weekend, there's several hundred, if not you know a thousand or more that are here to compete. But that's you make an in- interesting point, uh, Glenn, that that people forget this is an operating horse farm, uh, and and that's. And we share that with the public that comes here. The mainstream America, just is a, this is how we take care of horses. This is what happens every day. All of our horses have a, have a job and are all part of the family. Um, now, mo- many of them are, are kind of on loan from other, you know, other technical owners, but they're really part of the horse park family. And can I just interrupt? I sure, that, Samantha. Um, my, my family, we bike here a lot in the summers we bring the bikes on the back of the car and we picnic here and, and it is like a home from home and and the horses all look fantastic they all look in great condition they all look happy and relaxed and 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 we are actually in the breed barn today and you have lots of different breeds which i know the kids love looking at the big ones and the little ones and, and it's fantastic and you also have famous racehorses and sires and it, uh, thank you for saying that and and i'm glad to hear that you're enjoying the park in the way that we we want people to um th- that it needs to be a pastoral comfortable setting but we want to entertain and we want to educate. Uh, there's no place in the world, I mean, no place on the planet Earth where there are going to be over 50 breeds of horses that you can see in one, in one place. And the Parade of Breed show that happens here daily is, I think, one of the best things we do. It's certainly one of, one of the most popular of our attractions because you come away feeling good and entertained and you will have a personal experience being able to pet a horse and all that. But you'll also learn why these breeds developed and in the course of the course of that you everybody will come away understanding the partnership between mankind and the horse that simply stated we wouldn't be where we are today if it weren't for the horse 
So in, in, in a lot of cases, people have just come out of the International Museum of the Horse, which is the entire history of the horse from 40 million years ago to now, and then really experience the living museum part of the Kentucky Horse Park. Um, I'm glad you mentioned the Hall of Champions. That's really, that's really been a wonderful place for us. It's an, for me, it's a very emotional place because you have these legends that are living and people are close to them. I'm always struck, as you said, Samantha, about how happy the horses are here. I mean, they really, you can feel it. They're just happy here. I think they love the attention. They love the stimulation of all that happens here. Uh, somehow, some way, these great horses understand that they're great and like it uh, that way. But then, you know, the, the horses that have that, that had their retirement here, that we celebrated, that have moved on, uh, is, is a very emotional feeling there. And I bet you the Ali Sheba was one was two here who died recently. Yeah. Uh, is there somebody, is there anything you can tell us? Have you got anything, any other champions lined up to come in here soon? Oh, I'll tell you, yes. Okay. Now, I'm not allowed to say, Glenn, but when <laughs> it tried. happens. I tried. When that happens, <laughs> we'll, make, we'll make that. The, you'll, uh, I, I don't dare because I, I don't want to blow the deal. <laughs> you know, but the problem is we have so, you know, there's only five stalls in that, right. in that barn. And there are more than five retired champions. Um you know, we had Funny Side down here today in the Parade of Breeds just to, just because we, oh, really? wanted, we wanted to share him. And, you know, for people to come to the breed show and then see, a, you know, a famous Kentucky Derby winner, it was really, really neat. And Cigar is always holding court yeah, uh, right. uh, up there. And that's pretty well. much a good way to put it with Cigar, actually. Yeah, he holds court. <laughs> uh, there, there's, there's no doubt about it. I think Cigar runs the breed barn. I think. Yeah. <laughs> it was really interesting when John Henry and Cigar were across from each other. That was... Uh, Cigar was insulted. I was here that first day. He wouldn't come out of the back of the stall because yeah. John Henry was getting all the attention. It yeah. was, it was, it was. There, there was some animosity going yeah, on there. That's right. They, uh, <laughs> uh, the, finally, they reached a peaceful coexistence, but that's about as far as we could we could take it. Uh, but it's a it, it's a wonderful place. You know, you think of all the great sports in America. Um, you know, people didn't get a chance often. Couldn't easily get close to Mickey Mantle or you know to. Joe Namath or somebody like that. But in our sport, we provide an opportunity that anytime you want to, you can come and just be very close and intimate and up close with, uh, with the great legends of the sport. Oh, well, great. Well, I know you have other things to do here today. We appreciate you stopping by, and I think we're probably due in the next couple months to get you back on the 2010 show with Samantha and I. And as I told you earlier, with the new co-host, you're going to enjoy it much more than just chatting with me. So, I, uh, Truer words were never spoken <laughs> It's wonderful to be with you, and I really appreciate what you and Samantha are doing um, in general, but specifically for the world, the Alltech FEI World Equestrian Games, and uh, we'll look forward to taking this journey with you. All right, uh, great. Next, Thanks, John. Next year or so. Thank you very much, John. So we started right at the very top, and now we're going to go and speak to Chasing Sun Equestrian Center. They are the middlemen. They take horses in and rehab them and get them ready to be adopted. Let's speak to them well, Sam, we had to step away from the arena for a little bit because they're doing the auction and it's kind of loud there. So we're over here and we actually have company. We have the minis, uh, the mini miniature horses here at the Kentucky Horse Park have joined us now for this interview. I think it's because you're afraid I was going to bid on something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, your husband told me to keep you away from the bidding. So tell, who do we have here with us? I'm Brian Sapp. And this is uh, Joe Harvey. And you're from where? Flemingsburg, Kentucky. And what organization? We are with Chasing the Sun Equestrian Center. Okay, and how is Chasing the Sun related to a horse adoption? We're, um, we're here for the uh, Hooved Animal Humane Society out of Chicago. Actually, they're out of Woodstock, Illinois. Uh, we're here also for the Standard Bread Retirement Foundation out of New Jersey, and we're also here for the Thoroughbred Retirement Foundation out of Saratoga, New York. And uh, we're here with, uh, we have 11 horses here today, and uh, we're here just to d demonstrate their riding abilities uh, from ap after being trained at our facility and um, looking for potential adopters to find new homes for these horses and, and get them rehoused and, uh, so they can enjoy the rest of their lives with uh, somebody that's going to you know, enjoy their time and take care of them the same way we would. With the economy the way it is, have you seen the, the need grow? Have you seen more and more horses than... We have seen the need um, grow. There's a lot of horses out there that are being neglected. Um, however, um, going through a program like our facility offers, we're finding that there's, with the economy being in the slump that it's in, 
Um, it's time for families to start doing stuff with their kids and things like that. Um, this is a very affordable outsource for their families to spend time together. They can adopt a horse relatively inexpensive. Um, it's better than sending their kids to the movie theaters and not knowing who their kids are with. They can do it as a family. Weekend trail rides. There's a lot of beautiful trails in Kentucky. So there's a lot of things that um, I think when people realize what the uh, the availability of having a horse um, and keeping things close to home, they don't have to go far to enjoy good trail rides. And it's it's a good network to spend time with their kids and things like that. So I think when you you get people to understand that aspect about it, uh, we're, we're finding it that we're adopting horses and we're getting them out there to good homes even in a bad economy. And I think what, what the difference, too, is like the Secretariat Center here at the Kentucky Horse Park, they really retrain the horses. Most of them, I would say, go out for sport horse purposes for competing. And you're a little bit different in that you're training. You want these horses to go out and be family trail horses, right? Absolutely. Um, what the Secretariat um, Center is doing is absolutely great. They, they have a, a um, hard time to find good quality, completely sound horses that are available to be trained into those types um, of riding skills. And I think that what they're doing is an outstanding job. Um, what we're looking at is um, when inventing and things, and it, it, it does cost money. Um, you have to go to the shows. You have to go trailer um, longer distances. We're looking for the backyard type families. Doesn't cost anything, does it, Samantha? <laughs> Our little inventor here. You know, um, something that they can do as a family, maybe even on their own farm. If they have a few acres, they just get together and they, they saddle up these horses. If they're just basic trail-ridden horses, the horses are they've got a job, and some of them they're not sound enough to do you know eventing, and they're not sound enough to do really hard trail riding. But they're great around the farm, and if that horse can help unite families together in their own backyard, I think it's a great thing. Where did the horses come from? The horses we have have come from numerous different areas. Um, some of them have just been turned in because uh, the families can no longer afford to feed them. So they say, um, I'm reaching out to this organization or that organization. Can you please take this horse from me because I don't want to starve it. Those are good-natured people. Some people just turn them out on the side of the road. Um, some of them have just been turned out in wildlife reserves and things like that. We we have got, you know, we had a couple calls and the uh, uh, the state, I guess he's an inspector, um, has came to the farm and asked us for their help um, back early winter uh someone had took several horses and turned into a wildlife reserve just abandoned them left them uh, one got hit i believe by a vehicle um was in the ditch for maybe two days or something before someone seen it um and they called upon us and of course they come to the farm and had got us and we went there with them and uh, caught the horses you know and you know they were to take the horses and try to get those you know fed back up because without a doubt they were poor that's why they you know that's why whoever had dumped them didn't want them you know because if they would took them to a sale barn of course they'd have got in trouble you know they was just too thin right so i mean you know we kind of you know as far as you know having the trail horses and things like that also i mean we're kind of there in the community you know as as you know our staff as a group to help out you know in other ways and also you had a big staff you know, here today right right how many staff do you have in there there's well we, today we have uh, we had some help come all the way from woodstock illinois from the humane society to help out with what um, horses we had for them um we had uh, a, a good friend of ours um he um came from flemingsburg he has the dairy queen in town he came down to show his support did he bring he any ice cream with him i can no, really no, use no, some no. right now today we really could use some but yeah um, it's hot out here yeah you know, that was uh, you know he came down and, and gave his you know all of his support to help us move horses back and forth with as many horses as we had today our challenge was getting them from the big barn up here um, to do the back-to-back you know and you guys are about an hour from here or a little about an hour 15 minutes or so north from lexington here. yeah um it's northeast um but we're we're just trying to do what was right and get these horses out there and um we, we have more space for other organizations to bring the horses to us the same thing you know we feel that if you get these horses trained and uh, get them under saddle you you find adopters and, and that's what it's taken is there a typical length of time it takes or is each horse different and is there a limit to how long you can spend on each horse or do you just take as long as it takes so this is a question for um yes ma'am um as far as as that as quoting a time or amount of time each horse needs um, every horse is different it depends on how the horses are brought to us um, some are brought to us you know at 10 12 years old and never had hands on them you know not broke to the lead you can't you know it's all you can do to clean their stalls so without a doubt you know the older the horse gets you know the more time it takes 
Um, the horses that are started as two-year-olds and three-year-olds, you know, in 30 days, I can have them well under saddle, you know, riding around great. Um, could not just go and recommend them for absolutely anyone, but I would feel pretty safe, you know, after 30 days, which on a young horse, it's not near enough time. They do need, you know, more training. They need to get out and about and see more, you know, of the environment. Well, you guys are doing great work. We appreciate you being here today and, and for sharing a little bit with us. I, I have to ask, though, Chasing the Sun Equestrian Center is a great name. Where would you get Chasing the Sun? Actually, I have to thank my wife for that. Oh, really? She came up with that when uh, we actually moved here from um, the beach area up in Ocean City, Maryland. Um, oh, you were Ocean City here. people, huh? So, yeah. Uh, we came up You're with far that. away from the ocean now, by the way. I just yeah. thought I'd let you know. But the lakes yeah. are nice. <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's kind of what brought us here. And uh, we just we, we enjoy um, being here in, in a kind of a quieter setting than being around the, the, the hustle and bustle. The, the uh, tourists coast. like us Pennsylvanians that used to go to Ocean City every summer. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's what we're we're working on. Uh, just trying to put together something down here in the community for the community and and help these horses find places to go and uh, have good loving homes. And also we're we're trying to help these kids, you know, have another outlet instead of hanging out with the wrong crowds, give them something to do and something that their families can do with. Well, that's great. Thanks a lot, guys. Right, and we'll you. put thank your you. link on our website at stablescoop.com. We'll put the link to your uh, your your farm up there at okay. Chasing the Sun Equestrian Center. It's actually it's Chasing the Sun Stables. Is this um, ChasingTheSunStables.com? Dot com. ChasingTheSunStables.com. All right, great. Thanks All very right. much. Thank, thank you. you. Well, that was fun, Sam. They do a good work up there, and you can tell that these guys are really sincere and really enjoy what they do as well. Yes. And they have quite a facility. I'll tell you what, we were looking at the pictures. They do have quite a facility, to cha- which I love the name again, <laughs> the Chasing the Sun Equestrian Center. And they have actually invited us to come up and do a show. They have a kids program that they do that they're very proud of as well. So we might do a special episode on, on kids and riding. So. I, would, I would love to do that. And our next guest is someone who's very well known in Kentucky. In fact, all over the world. And no fun at all. No fun at all. But if you follow horse racing, he's no stranger. He's a a world champion jockey and uh, now has started training young world champions to come, I'm sure. And I'm very, very honored to introduce to the show Chris McCarron. And we should say before he comes on that he has a, does have a special program here in Kentucky that he, he works with the Kentucky Horse Park on training the young jockeys. And that's what we're going to talk about with him in this interview. Well, hi, Chris. Welcome to the show. We appreciate you being on with us, and it's good to finally meet you. You know, I've watched your riders, your students, ride around, at, you know, here doing their thing at the park mm-hmm. once a year, and it's just fun to finally get to meet you. Well, thank you. It's good to meet you as well, Glenn. Well, Thanks. so tell us a little bit about your program and teaching jockeys to do what they do. Well, it's a fully uh, accredited academic program. We don't just teach them how to ride racehorses at 40 miles an hour and try not to fall <laughs> off at that speed. That well, is part of it, though. That is part of it, yeah. <laughs> but uh, we also teach them all about horse care. So uh, each one of these students actually takes care of two horses a day, and they, they ride two horses a day as well. We teach equine physiology, uh, commercial breeding practices, let's see, uh, lameness and anatomy. So when they leave the program, if it turns out that they can't ride for whatever reason, whether they just don't have the ability to communicate with horses or they get too big or they crash and burn a couple of times and eventually get scared, uh, they'll have something to fall back on. They'll, they'll have a full-blown education about thoroughbred racehorses, and they'll be able to uh, get a job somewhere in the business other than riding a horse if it turns out that doesn't work out for them. And how many students do you have in any given year? Right now, we've got 15 that will come back for their second year in August. Is it a two-year program? It's a two-year program. Okay. That's right. And uh, we've had, let's see, 16 students graduate already from the program. No, p- pardon me, 14. We've had 14 graduate already from the program. We will have uh, 15 that return in August for their second year. Another 10 will be getting their first year in August. And obviously, we're here at the Equine Adoption Fair. How many horses do you have in the program, and where do they come from? We've got 20 head right wow. now in our program, and that makes a two-to-one ratio for a horse per student. And they come from uh, mostly donations. We've got a few that we've uh, leased from their owners that didn't really want to give them up totally, but most of them are donated to us. And, and I, sorry, go ahead. I saw some of them at the um, the steeplechase, the High Hope steeplechase, and they're beautiful. And the riders were fantastic. Well, thank you very much. Yeah, I was very pleased with the way the horses turned out that day. Uh, the kids did all the work. They got them ready. 
and um, I have an assistant. Uh, I have a barn manager, Heather Peck, that took care of uh, the horses' health and their care, and and she just did a marvelous job of getting the horses ready for us, and the kids did a great job on the day as well. Well, you know, it is a lot of fun watching it, and I'm sure it's satisfying for you. What college are you affiliated with then? Bluegrass Community and Technical College, which is one of the 16 two-year colleges here in Kentucky under the auspices of KCTCS, the Kentucky Community Technical College System. And uh, we're very, very blessed to be able to, uh, to become part of that uh, particular uh, business, that, that college system. Uh, they, they have a, a lot of clout here in Kentucky. There's actually... They have 67 campuses spread all over the Commonwealth, and there's a campus under KCTCS within a 30-minute drive of anyone who lives in the Commonwealth of Kentucky. Wow. That's dynamite reach. That's tremendous reach. So uh, with the networking that we're able to, to accomplish through that system, it's benefited my program a great deal. And does, how? Go ahead, Stan. Does that mean they have to keep their grades up, or do or they finish when they come to you? Oh, absolutely. They've got to keep their grades up. It's, you know, I treat the riding like a, the sports part of an academic program or a sports part of a college program. Um, if they don't keep their grades up uh, at least a 2.5 grade, grade point average, they don't get to ride. So they've got to take their studies, their classes seriously. Uh, if they don't, then I don't really want them to be part of the program. And how, of your graduates, you said how many have graduated at this point? We've had uh, 14 graduate, and we've got six kids that are riding out there right now. Oh, wow. And collectively, they've won over 90 races since last fall. Wow. So That's I'm really great. proud of it. We had, we had one kid ride, uh, won a race today. Matt Michael Strait won a race up at Arlington oh, Park. Oh, really? And Ryan Pacheco, who spent three and a half months over in Newmarket, England, with John Gosden doing his internship, finished second in his very second start today in his career at Churchill Downs. At ninety-five to one, and finished second. Congratulations! I was jumping up and down on the couch. I was screaming. I thought I won the Derby. I was so excited, and he finished second on a ninety-five to one. Ninety-five to one shot. I I was very, very proud of him. And I called him right away, and I called the stewards. So he won a little bit of money with that. Yeah, he won a few bucks. Yeah, Yeah, I don't. I don't think he bet on the horse at all, but he he won a few dollars just by the purse. By the purse, yeah. Right, and so. uh, I did was you very. Bet on him? Did no, you bet I didn't. Oh, come on. No, I didn't think he had a chance in, <laughs> in hell to, to hit the board, but uh, but he did. He he made me very very proud. And I assume, but this is a good question. I assume jockeys are not allowed to bet on the horses they're running on. That's an incorrect assumption. Really, Glenn the Geek. I didn't know you're that. You're a geek. You're supposed to be very smart. You're I supposed didn't to know, know these that. factoids. You can bet right? on the horse you're riding on. We can bet on. Jockeys are allowed to bet on the horse that they ride, but only to win. They are not allowed to bet to place uh, or use the horse in the exactus. Uh, Only allowed okay. to bet to win. That's interesting. That's right. Did you know that? I didn't know that. Oh, say yes. <laughs> say yes. <laughs> Kick him in the shin underneath the table. <laughs> say yes. But we'll edit that bit out. <laughs> <laughs> well, what else do you have going on right now? Oh, nothing. <laughs> nothing. I'm do just you- kind of over here at this beautiful Kentucky horse park uh, with all of these different uh, humane societies, equine humane societies, and equine adoption facilities that are trying to find really good homes for these wonderful creatures, these horses that we feel so blessed to be part of their lives. And uh, it, it's just a great event, and I'm glad you guys are here to help promote this event because it's very, very important to find good homes for these horses. And it was so wonderful to see how excited you got when you were telling us about your student winning. Is it almost, which is better, do you think, winning yourself or your students winning? Uh, it's a special feeling. It certainly is a special feeling to see these kids go out there and, and um, be able to apply what they learned at the academy. Um, it's, it's a great feeling. I, I would have to think, though, if I cross the wire in front, <laughs> if I cross the, wire, cross the wire in front on a horse that uh, happened to get there first, then I was I'm pre- 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 pretty happy you for think, myself. You think you could but, still show the young the young pups? Oh, without question. <laughs> Absolutely. I could show those young whippersnappers a thing or two. <laughs> Chris, you crossed the wire a few times. I think you did cross the wire a few times. I did, yeah. Yeah, you know that feeling quite well. Yeah. Well, thank you very much for coming on with us. And we're, we want to get you back. We're going to be doing a special episode on, we've never done one actually, on, on racing. So we're going to do a special episode on racing, and we're going to get you in. We, we want to get the jockey's perspective, so we're going to have a couple different jockeys on the show and, and, and really uh, talk about racing and where, where you think the future of it is. Well, the future's bright. I'm, I'm an optimist. I think uh, we've got a lot to look forward to. 
especially here in the state of Kentucky. Uh, it, it's just, uh, it, without question, is the horse capital of the world, and I think we've got a lot to look forward to, and I look forward to coming back, coming back on the show, too. Well, and you're one of the stars of the state of Kentucky. We've, well, thank you. We, as we said, Chris is a lot of fun. <laughs> he's a riot, and he's that way all the time. He has more energy than anybody I've ever seen. Yes. He yes. makes us look like we're, we're dead. I mean, he's just <laughs> wild. Speak for yourself, though. <laughs> <laughs> and next up, we have for you Deb Balliott of the Equine Land Conservation. I forget the last part of that. She it's, uh, is the CEO of Equine Land Conservation. Yes. <laughs> yes. Well, she'll tell us more about it here. Very interesting that we should all be more aware of how serious this is because we all love horses. I'm sure if you're listening, we love horses. And she gave us some facts and figures. And did you know that between lunch and dinner, we could lose the same amount of acreage that is in the Kentucky Horse Park? So, Samantha, you're not going to eat know, ever again, is that it? It makes me sick to my stomach, and I don't want lunch or dinner. <laughs> but um, very interesting, and, 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 and we need to listen to her. I'd like to welcome our next guest, Deb Balliot, the CEO of Equine Land Conservation Resource. Deb, welcome to the show, and tell us a little bit about what you do. Thank you very much. Well, I'm the, the chief cook and bottle washer at the Equine Land Conservation Resource, which is a 12-year-old not-for-profit that helps save land for horses across the country. We're a resource to landowners and horsemen uh, who want to make sure we have places to ride, compete, breed, um, raise foals, grow hay, all those sorts of things. In, in this country... We're losing about 250 acres of land a day, according to the U.S. Department of Agriculture, to development. And um, with 99 million horses in the country, according to the AHC statistics, we need 36 million acres to feed those horses about, at about uh, an average of four acres apiece. So we need to con- be concerned about where we're going to raise them, our farmland, our trails, and also land to grow hay and grain. And we're losing them to development primarily? or Losing them to development, and it's not that we're anti-development, but if we don't plan for horses in our community where we're going to have our farms and our boarding stables and where are the kids going to learn to ride at the riding academies um, and access to trails on public land or private land, those are all things we've got to look forward and see where we're going in this country. And you have a website? We have a website. It's www.elcr.org, and we try to pack it with information. You're based right here in the horse park, right? Yes. We've been in the National Horse Center for the last two years, um, and we were in uh, northwestern Illinois for about seven years before that, but we're a 12-year-old organization. But you work with with all states. I mean, you're national. We are national. We work with uh, organizations from across the country and individual horse owners and landowners from across the country. And what do you try and get them to do? What's the goal? The goal is they're sort of... People, first is raising awareness that horse people collectively need to work on this issue. It doesn't matter if you're English or Western or if you have minis or drafts or you're a driver or you're a breeder um, or you just admire horses. If we don't become aware that this land is being lost to development and that we need to plan in our communities, we won't have any place to continue our hobby and our passion and our sport and our industry. So raising awareness is the first goal. And then the second part is once you understand the issue, we can give you the tools and point you in the direction as to how to save land in your community. All land is saved locally. We sometimes get calls, and I feel badly, but people say, they're putting in a development next to my farm. Can you come and either buy it or can you stop them? Well, the truth of the matter is if I came in from Lexington, Kentucky, they'd chuckle and say, who are you? Mm -hmm. You know how communities are run by people in the community. So people have to save the land in their own community, and we're a resource to help guide them. What I say we do is inform, guide, and support. Because often you're dealing with community bureaucracies, and so we give you the information, we kind of guide you what the path is going to be, but sometimes I'm just plain moral support and cheerleader, like... Don't worry. I know you feel like you might have gone one step backwards, but we've dealt with this issue in another community, and sometimes you have one step back, but then you get the two steps forward if you keep working. So we sort of cheerlead as well when people say, I'm, I'm fighting the fight, but it's difficult right now. And sometimes I know there's just so much paperwork and, and so much bureaucracy, that, so that's all you need, someone who's been through it before to help guide right. you through that process. And to understand that, that we are succeeding in many communities. So, you know, every once in a while you might have a bad day or feel like you took a step back, but you shouldn't think that this is impossible. It it just takes a, a group of people. It's hard to fight as one person, so we try to also bring people together in your community to work on this and then also point you in the direction you need to go and give the information you need. And you have a couple of big supporters who gave grants, I think, last year? We have. Um, we are funded by private donations, foundations, and corporate support, and uh, Equine Network has been a terrific friend of ours for years. Um, Briar Animal Creations and Briar Models funds a $10,000 grant for us, and actually the deadline is coming up for that on September 1st if anybody else 
out there has a project uh, for an equine land conservation project, and the, the grant amount is $10,000. Uh, information is on our website at www.elcr.org, and the deadline September 1st again. Great. All right, great. Well, it was good to have you on, and we hope to have you back. We're gonna, we'll have to devote an entire episode of Stable Scoop to it sometime, because this is an important issue across the country and across the world. We have listeners in 23 countries, and this isn't, this isn't exclusive to the United States, this problem. So uh, we'll be glad to have you back sometime. Right. Well, thank you for having me and help get the word out. We really appreciate it. All thank right. You thanks, Deb. Thank you. We'll be right back with a couple more fantastic guests from our On Location show at the Kentucky Horse Park. But first, I'd like to mention Equestrian Collections. You know, Equestrian Collections is a fantastic sponsor of the Horse Radio Network. If you need something for your horse, I don't care what kind of riding you do, you need to check out Equestrian Collections first. They bring the whole universe of equestrian shopping to your fingertips. They also have fantastic specials any day of the week right there on their website. You can see it right on their homepage. And they have a ton of e-catalogs you can shop from. Just click the catalogs button there, and they have the digitized catalogs that are pretty cool. You know, you flip the pages, and you can buy right off of there. You can go to their homepage at equestriancollections.com and see all of their specials, all of the fantastic new products that they have available. No matter what kind of riding you do, before you buy that next item for your horse or for you, visit Equestrian Collections at equestriancollections.com and put the whole universe of equestrian shopping at your fingertips at a price you can afford. Well, Sam, that was that was very interesting. I think we're going to do a special episode of the Stable Scoop some, sometime on land conservation because it is important. And as she pointed out, it's what feeds our horses, not just the land that our horses are housed on, but the, the acreage that it takes to grow the hay for the horses and, you know, the silage and the grains and everything else. Yeah. Uh, yep. And I also wanted to say, we wanted to tell you, we're sitting here now. It has turned into a beautiful night. It was hot as heck this afternoon, but it's turned into a beautiful night, and we are now watching, there's a demonstration going on in the ring of the pony clubbers doing games. I know. It's and they're the cutest nice. ponies ever. That one that one spotted pony, I don't know what the heck that is, but it's cute. This is pretty nice work if you can get it, Glenn. Uh- <laughs> And speaking, well, not speaking of which, but Stephanie Keeley is our next guest. She's an alumni of Asbury College, and she is a lovely girl. She's training the police horses that they have in their equine program. And she, we saw their demonstration earlier, and I was and, oh, absolutely you were just gobsmacked. amazed. My they wife, too. Amazing. Uh, yeah, everyone who saw it, I think, was totally blown away by it. And she's going to talk to us about that. And well, they, I do encourage you to check out their website as well. And they had two-year-olds out there that two were doing crazy stuff. Tread, walking over tarpaulins, having tarpaulins wrapped over them. I mean, the trust between the horses and these students and the trainers is absolutely mind-blowing. Well, hi, Stephanie, and welcome to the show. We appreciate you being on with us tonight. It's a little loud because they're actually showing some of the adoptable horses right now. You did a demonstration. You're with Asbury College and the the police called police mounts, right? Yes, we're in a police mount training program. So that's very unusual. What, What exactly do you guys do? Uh, we take about six-month-old Percheron thoroughbred cross geldings. We get them from Canada, and we, when we receive them, they are weaned from their mother. They're put on a trailer, and they've never been handled before. So when we get them, they are wild. And we spend the next couple of years getting a hand on them, training them, just teaching them to be trusting of their trainers, of people, and we hopefully try to prepare them for police work. And we saw a little bit of it from where we're sitting here, and I've spoken to some people who watch it, and they were blown away by what your horses did. Tell us a little bit Two-year-olds. It. <laughs> yes, it's, it's amazing. We still are very surprised and awed by them when they do stuff. Um, well, we introduce them to obstacles the moment we get a hand on them. Even if the obstacle is as small as just walking over a pole, um, we build that trust, and we have been able to build stairs and seesaws and things of that sort that are very, very scary and difficult for horses. And just through the trust with the, with the trainer and that horse, they are able to go all the way up on top of them and jump off. And, I mean, that's very hard, and it's amazing to watch just because horses don't normally want to climb stairs and jump three feet down. Um, yeah, I think you're right. I think it's the trust more than the obstacles. Yes. 
And where do where do the horses end up? Do they go all over the all over the country? We advertise them to any police department that's across the country. We've advertised up in Canada even. So it's pretty much North America is where we advertise. We're able to come to the horse park every year um, through the Lexington Mounted Police, the National Police Horse Colloquium. They've invited us every year, and they're wonderful for that. They've invited us to come and be an exhibition um, team that can compete without a score and just ride and get our horses training and that way we have a chance to advertise our horses with for current departments so they can see our mounts. Are there any of your mounts currently active? We had, we had one that was but the department they had to retire the him and then the department unfortunately was disbanded so right now we do not have one. <laughs> oh no. Unfortunately we're trying very hard <laughs> to get one in there. Well uh, we're, we're putting out a plug for you. Your horses did a great job and uh, you know Percherons are my favorite breed so I, I <laughs> say thoroughbreds, that Thoroughbreds are my favorite breed. There we well, go great. but <laughs> I think they get the Percheron brain and they got the thoroughbred uh, bodies yes. so there you go. And that's what the best combination is because <laughs> right. they have the very calm temperament and personality but that they're still able to do athletic things. They don't. They're not giant slugs on the ground. They're able to move and be very graceful. That's what makes them. They're my favorite breed. The cross. That's my favorite. I love training them. They're just. They're amazing horses. And, and you're an alumni of Asprey. Yes. You, but you still work with them. Yes. My sister and I run the police mount training program. We both work together there. Um, it's a wonderful thing. We're volunteers out there, so this is just what we do on our spare time, aside from our, our real jobs. But, I mean, we both are so passionate about it. We've gone through this program. We helped start it in the very beginning. We both had horses and were able to train them through. So it's a great opportunity for us to come in and help students because we've been there. We've been through it with them. We know the frustrations that they've felt with these horses sometimes, and we're able to just work with them and show them better techniques that they can do and just come right alongside the students. It's, it's wonderful. Now, Asbury College, how many, how many students? Is there an equine program over there? Yes, there okay. is an equine program. Um, the student body in total at the college, I think, is 1,300 students. So it's, it's a relatively small school. But in our equine program alone, we have grown, exploded from... My, when I graduated two years ago, there were 40 students, and now there are over 75 students in wow. the program. So the program is exploding. It's great. It's a wonderful thing that we have. Do you have barns there and everything, obviously? Yes. Yeah. yeah, we have a barn, and we also have an indoor riding arena that we were just able to build through amazing people who helped put that together. It's really nice. We're able to train in the rain, snow, ice, whatever happens now. Well, it's certainly amazing what you've been doing with the police horses. Absolutely mind-blowing to watch them. Yes, we love it. It's it's an amazing program. Well, it was funny because she owns a, a, a pretty good eventer, and you were doing that. They laid the tarp down, and you had yeah. the two-year-old walking over the tarp, and then put the yeah. tarp on top of the two-year-old, and she's going, my event horse would be out of here. Yeah, well, and most horses would be, I mean, because that's a very scary thing. It's stuff. It's, I mean, it's just amazing to see what these yeah. guys can do. We have a hard time finding obstacles that scare them a lot of times. we, I mean, we set off fireworks in front of these horses' faces, and a lot of them stand there and try to approach the the fireworks and we're like no no you need well, to obviously yeah. for a police horse that's yeah what it's you need. exactly what you want to have a horse that is not afraid of anything you put in front of them well, and i think as a mother too it's so nice to see you building trust with the horse and for, yes. for, to have your students work with the horses like that and build that relationship and right. have something else to concentrate on well and through the training program i mean we produce great horses but our main focus is to produce great trainers because these students go out into the horse world now, and they have that training tool underneath their belt, and they're able to take that to any other horse that they approach now in the world. And a lot of our students go on into the horse world, either teaching camps or doing things of that sort, running barns. And to have that knowledge of how to train a horse, like how we train our horses underneath their belt, I mean, it's amazing to see the difference that they have with horses now after going through our program. Well, well Stephanie, if, if you're any indication of the students at Asbury College, then uh, kudos to the students at Asbury students College. students are better. They're awesome. <laughs> Thank, Thank you, you very, very much, much for stopping by. We appreciate it. Thank you. Well, Stephanie, that was great. You know, Sam, she is a... It, I, I am impressed. If that's what uh, Asbury College is turning out, she's only been out of college two years, and she's that well-spoken, then I, I'm very impressed. Absolutely. It gives you hope for the future of this country. Absolutely. A credit to Asbury. And speaking of hope for the future, um, we have hope in our future, and part of that hope is in our sponsors, and one of those sponsors is Succeed. Succeed is the title sponsor for the 2010 radio show, Sam and I's Home. And we are so happy to have with us tonight a great friend of the show. Her name is Lindsay, and she works for Succeed. 
Well, Lindsay, it's good to have you here. You're uh, from our title sponsor for the 2010 show, uh, Succeed. It's a, it's finally good to have you on one of the shows. We did, we haven't had the opportunity. We had your boss on, but uh, we haven't had the opportunity to have you on. Yeah, it's good to see you, uh, Glenn and Samantha. I'm really happy to be at the park here today, even though it's a little warm. So my English skin doesn't like this kind of temperature too much. <laughs> I start to cook a little bit, but it's all good. I don't know, Samantha. You've been here for ten years. Are you used to the heat yet? Oh, I love the heat. Do you? Yeah, I'm. I'm a more. I'm a winter person. So why I live in Kentucky, I'm not quite sure. Well, you know, there you, you should have felt like home recently. We've had all that rain. You should. Yes, <laughs> that's very true. Because as everybody knows, it rains every day in England, or so I'm told. <laughs> <laughs> How close are you to, where did you grow up, Lindsay? I grew up in um, Lincolnshire, which is on the east coast of England. That's actually quite um, a big area for equestrian and riding and hunting and that kind of thing. So there are a lot of horses in Lincolnshire. Uh, I grew up in a very small village with less than a thousand people and um, pretty much every Every girl had a pony in the village. So. And did you have a pony in the I village? I did, yeah. yes. I started to collect them, but my mother didn't like it when I grew out of them, and I refused to sell them. So I started to collect quite a lot by the time I was 16. <laughs> <laughs> and Samantha, were you, uh, where, where did you grow up? I grew up outside Oxford, and I, w- I wasn't allowed to collect ponies, but I spent every, <laughs> every spare minute at the local riding school. And you were Pony Club, right? I was Pony Club. Were you Pony Club, Lindsay? Uh, I was Pony Club, and I I grew up going out hunting as well. And um, I remember my first event being four years old and going out in the hunting field. And uh, my little pony took off with me, and it was quite interesting watching my auntie try and catch up and and rein it back in. (laughs) (laughs) You know, that is one big difference between the United States and England. In England, they tend, you know, kids tend to grow up in Pony Club and also tend to hunt because there's so many hunts. Uh, and that's just not something you, you see here. It, it, maybe it's because it's a bigger country. I don't, I don't yeah, know. And it isn't. And, and I was never one that was very happy at all when they, um, obviously, m- the hounds managed to get to the fox. So I really went more for just the experience part and the cross-country side of it and that kind of thing. And uh, as I got older, I had a bit of a, a kind of change of opinion on that. But. You know, it was it was more for that side of it than anything. Well, I think that's why that's why most people hunt. My wife hunts. She's not hunting to catch foxes. She's hunting to run fast and jump high. You yeah, know? yeah. That's <laughs> it's all all about the experience, the cross country part of it. I think. Well, and so you travel all over the country doing things for Succeed. Tell us what your title is. Uh, I am the domestic and international product manager for for the company. So I work with veterinarians, the veterinary distributors. Um, some of our national accounts and deal with the international side of the business as well. And you just had quite an interesting week with the O'Connors. Yes, I was just over at their eventing camp in Virginia. They very kindly invited me in to um, give a presentation during the camp. And that was really great because you get to interact with horse owners to provide them with some digestive health and, and nutrition educational knowledge. And it's just such a great interaction on a one-on-one basis when you finish doing your talk and you really feel that you've given them some knowledge that's very useful to them in terms of their own horse's personal digestive health. And I think that's very, very important. And, you know, these we're at an adoption event. And, and, you know, from what I understand about Succeed, and obviously I only know a fraction of what you do, when you see these horses that are coming off of the situations they're in under the stress they've been in, the ones that end up being out for adoption, they end up at an adoption center for some reason. I would imagine that they are probably the best candidates for Succeed and for what Succeed does. They are. We do actually work with a number of the retirement and uh, adoption foundations, including um, Old Friends, which is actually based in Kentucky, that's quite unique as a retirement uh, center for ex-racehorses because they actually accept stallions into the program, which most don't. And so they have uh, all of the horses out there on the product. So we like to give something back and be involved with these kind of organizations as well. Yeah. Well, Lindsay, it's been good having you here, and it's very fun that you stopped by, and it's been great working with Succeed, and I, I got to meet the founder of Succeed the other day. We had breakfast together, and uh, John, and that was a lot of fun. He, he's a man that knows, knows, the, knows the digestive tract of a horse better than anybody I've ever met in my entire life. He does. Uh, he's uh, very knowledgeable and, and obviously an Englishman as well. So I think between myself, him and 
Samantha, I think we're starting to gang up on you a yeah, bit. Yeah, I know. There. I'm going to be the only non-English person in the whole entire horse radio network here pretty soon. And obviously Chris Stafford as well. Yes. So uh, <laughs> we're definitely uh, gaining in numbers here. <laughs> well, it's great having you as a sponsor. We appreciate you being part of the 2010 radio show. And we're looking forward to covering the World Equestrian Games with you in person here in Lexington, Kentucky next year. So am I. I'm really, really looking to it, forward to that. And I think it's absolutely awesome they're bringing it to the U.S. for the first time as well, especially on my home turf. That's even better. Yeah, you, you can yeah. sleep in your own bed those nights. I can, yeah. I won't be sleeping in a hotel. I think I've already made lots of friends that suddenly yeah. want to come and visit me during the game. Yeah, so I don't know about you, Lots Samantha. of phone calls recently. <laughs> I don't know about you, but uh, our entire house and our backyard is all taken now. Is oh, it? I've already allocated <laughs> tent, tent peg space out in my back, back garden. So, yeah, I've suddenly got lots and lots of friends now. Weg's coming up quite soon. Yes. Well, thank you, Lindsay. Thank Thanks. you so much. Thank you very much, Lindsay. It's great to talk to you in person. I know you travel a lot, so it's finally nice to meet you. I've been following you on Facebook. And our last guest of the evening is a local legend, a vet called Dr. Byers, who I've heard plenty about and never met either, so it's nice to catch up with him. We were lucky to be able to catch him for a few minutes before he had to rush off too. Well, hi, Dr. Byers, and welcome to the Horse Radio Network. We're just having fun out here at the Adoption Fair tonight. Uh, so tell us a little bit about yourself and what just a Reader's Digest version of what you've been to the industry here. Well, I, you know, I don't, I can pat myself on the back a lot, I guess, <laughs> but uh, I don't like to do that. Go on, just um, the radio. I, um, I finished school from in California in 1974, so I'm an old guy. <laughs> and I uh, wound up at the University of Georgia and then down in Florida and then out in Nevada uh, for a while and practiced and uh, then uh, back to the University of Georgia and taught and came here as a specialist in 1983. So you so came to Lexington in 1983? And uh, was associated with, ha- with Haggard's as, uh, as the larger practice at the time and uh, specialties really didn't exist in what, this area. What was your specialist? What Internal medicine. Yeah. Okay, and so I'm boarded in both internal medicine and critical care. So there's two specialties there, but uh, there weren't a lot of specialists here. It was very generalized. Uh, smart veterinarians, a lot of experience because they had expensive horses and lots of them. So they learned as they went. Uh, and, and back then it was pretty much just almost like it is today. There was a lot of thoroughbreds, I assume, back um, then. Predominantly thoroughbreds. And I think that what's happened that changed it a little bit from the predominance is the source park that we're sitting at. Uh, in 87, uh, they changed the tax laws. And uh, so there was a huge um, recession in the thoroughbred industry. Uh, thoroughbreds were quite overpriced at the time, but uh, syndication kind of went away because of the tax law changes. And a lot of these farms were heavily in debt, uh, mostly because of stallion fees. And so 25% of the farms went broke. The banks took over about 25% of the farms. So 40,000, 50,000 horses would come through the horse park and show. So the people that do that stay in hotels, motels, and want to drive these roads and see the farms they hear about. And uh, they see for sale signs. Right. And they find out cheaper to have a farm here or break one up and buy something here than where they were from. So it diversified the horse industry here. So so a predominant uh, thoroughbred industry became quite diversified with hunter jumpers. uh, Inventors. Inventors. The the, uh, uh, reining horses and things are coming in now in large numbers. Uh, There's cutting interest, roping, rodeo. Quite a few dressage farms around now. Quite a few. And this horse park only has two horses that really don't have their activities here, and those are standard bred and thoroughbred, well, and quarter horse racing. They don't right. have racing here. Right. So everything you see is everything else. So those people were attracted. So we have a lot of different breeds. Uh, veterinary-wise, there's a lot of veterinarians that have sport horse practices now. Yep. Uh, it's changed. Yeah, it's not a, a just lot. Haggard's anymore. It's uh, no. changed a lot in Lexington now. Oh, no. I think I came here in 1983, and... Uh, there were about three specialty boarded people, and there's probably 50 to 60 now. Wow. And uh, Haggard's was the larger practice, and now there's there's uh, two or three practices that are quite large. I'm not with Haggard's anymore. I'm out on my own just 
consulting, so I travel a lot. And uh, what kind of consulting do you do now? You got a sick horse, you give me a call. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so uh, I'll go overseas, uh, and usually I'm kind of a um, uh, fire engine specialist. You've got a major problem, okay. and so uh, they want to get me over to help help with that, and uh, and then I come back home. So. Do you like this? I mean, do you like what you're doing now? The traveling and everything? No. Traveling's no fun. <laughs> traveling <laughs> is, like you can't home. make airplane connections and you're sitting in airports and you're uh, concerned about getting somewhere else and then, then you're always concerned about getting home. Yeah. Which are some of the most exciting cases that you've done? Some of the most famous horses and most exciting ones? Well, confidentiality yeah. prevents yeah. me from really okay. discussing who I look at. Right. But uh, there aren't many famous horses I haven't been around. Yeah. Uh, so at the farms here, too, I, can, I go to the farms so, uh, and have a practice just goes. Uh, but I don't do, I'm not an attending veterinarian at the farm. I don't have that as my account. Uh, I just go in and back up the other veterinarian. So if they've got a foal that's got diarrhea and they want me to ultrasound it or bad chest in a horse, then I go out and I give them my uh, experience or whatever and, and then uh, move on. Well, I stay involved in the case, but, you know, they, they pull me in. I do a lot of insurance companies, high-dollar horses. They, they ask me to take a look. What do you think's changed? What's been the biggest, and we'll wrap it up. I know you have to get going, but what do you think's been the biggest change in all the years you've been here as far as veterinary medicine is concerned? Uh, what? what well, I, I think the, the biggest changes, and I, I'm a little concerned about the future. Okay. Um, the biggest changes were that the universities were all the citadels of knowledge, the expertise, and was recognized from the universities. But this area transformed rapidly. And so right now, the clinical expertise, and I'll emphasize clinical, not research, but clinical expertise, is probably greater in Lexington than anywhere in the world. And, uh, but uh, our profession has a lot of issues, um, money being a big one. Our students come out with heavily in debt, no different than the med schools. Priorities are, are, have to change where those people can advance themselves and become very, very good other than just the bottom line. So this area probably is seeing a little bit of um, uh, away from um, I want to be the best I can be to some of the people that are having to say, or some of the veterinarians, that I want to make as much as I can make. Mm-hmm. So, it, 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 you know, and that's, a, that's always a double-edged sword. And it's indicative of everything in our society, not just veterinarians, unfortunately. Yeah. And I think, uh, yeah, we would see every profession in that way. Uh, if it's all for the betterment of the animal, that's what we should always be about. You know, if it, if it turns into something that's about greed, then we become bankers. Right. You know. And we know how well they're yeah. doing right now. <laughs> yeah, right. So uh, the table would be empty. Yeah. <laughs> but no, I think the, the priorities on, on the horse is the main thing. You do, you do right by the horse, and, and you'll do fine. That's my advice to all the younger veterinarians or aspiring ones out there. Great. Well, we know you have to get going. You have a place to go here, and we, we were so well, thankful for stopping by and well, saying hi pl- to us. Pleased to do it, and I know that Essie sent me over from the Kentucky Horse Council. They do a great job. And we like working with them. They're yeah. fun to work oh, with. They've, they've really pushed things forward at an exponential rate. All so, right. Well, thank thanks, you. Dr. Byers. Thank Bye-bye. You thank you. Bye. Well, that was great to have Dr. Byers on. He's obviously a, a legend here locally and, and, and worldwide. He travels the world doing his, his veterinary consulting. Uh, yeah, I can just imagine him getting on planes with his little black suitcase and <laughs> fixing horses all over the world <laughs> secretly. It sort of reminds <laughs> you of the old days when the vets used to come out yep. with their bags and they were on their wagon with the horses and all stuff. All better now, madam. <laughs> <laughs> You know, we're sitting here, as we said earlier, we're sitting here watching them play games in the arena, and it is so fun to see the kids and how quick they can get on and off those horses. Did you have, when you were in Pony Club in England, did they play games? Jim Carney games. Yeah. Yes, did. did you do it? I, d- I tried. I was hopeless. I'm very <laughs> unathletic and inflexible. How'd you become an inventor? Well, you don't have to jump on and off. You hopefully stay on the horse to event. <laughs> yeah, that's true. You fall off an eventing, you're not allowed to get back on now. Well, you so. used to be able to, but you were allowed help. You were allowed a leg up. <laughs>
Yeah. <laughs> there are no legs up playing these games. These no, kids are athletes. they swing their legs over at gallop. And these ponies are so great. Yeah, the ponies know exactly where those bending poles are and where those pots are. Well, we hope that you all enjoyed this, this evening with us. We've had a great time, and, and we hope that we have brought some of the excitement and some of the cool people that show up at the Kentucky Horse Park yep. for these kinds of events. Yep. We are going to be coming back next with two test events here live at the Kentucky... Well, live. We'll be recording live here at the Kentucky Horse Park. And they are the vaulting competition in July and also the reigning competition, which are the two test events. The difference there is we will be in the new indoor arena. Yeah. So we are all excited to see that and be part of that. And the other thing is I have early indications. I'm not allowed to release the date, but, but I was indicated tonight the date of the grand opening of the indoor. And, Sam, I think what we'll do then is we will come out and do a, a show. show from the opening of the indoor. Awesome. Well, we know that the governor will be here and that Jane Bashir, the, the first lady who is a friend of the shows as well, will be here. And we'll, get them, we'll try and get them both on. Great. And we'll just share some of the excitement of the opening of this, this, this $30 million or $40 million indoor arena. It is beautiful. Did you see the barns that are going up around it? Beautiful. It With all the, looks amazing. I can't wait. Maybe we'll bring a takeout dinner and eat that. <laughs> yeah, I'm getting hungry here. So I think Sam and I are going to go find some food. We're going to, we're, well, we'll bring our, we'll bring my wife and your husband along too. Okay. All right. Thanks everybody. And I we hope nice you enjoyed this. Go to stablescoop.com <laughs> to find, go to stablescoop.com to find all the links for everybody that was on the show today. Check out their websites. We encourage you to do that. And we'll be back again next week for the Stable Scoop show on the Horse Radio Network.